This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast, this is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is our Auto Expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl Jen. Uh, Been a momentous week back out on the road, driving cars on the track. It's uh, it's pretty exciting. Uh, Flew all the way to New York City. I drove up. I had some meetings I had to be in town for. Drove up to Monticello, which is their racetrack about two hours uh, north of Newark, New Jersey, and uh, did a little mini GP driving. Um, that just pretty much isn't anything like track driving, is there, Jen? No, track driving is amazing. Um, where you have no speed limits and uh, all you do is go fast, brake fast, turn fast. Not stop fast, hopefully, but all of those things. The only thing you know to worry about is that person ahead of you better speed up. <laughs> well, I see the person ahead of me was the instructor. Oh. So I was car number two. There used to be the day when I started track driving, when I, when I first did it, that I would be laggy. And yeah. nowadays, like, I'm on the tail of the, of the, of the instructor. Not, co- not because I'm great, because I'm mediocre at best right. on the track, but it's because he doesn't want to lose sight of the last person in the row of lead follow cars. So he will not go so fast that he's there getting out of his sight so he can't see what happened to them. Because if something happens, he has to be ready to respond, right? This is the, it's so brilliant to be able to do that now because I got out of the car and he came up behind me and put his hands on my shoulder and he goes, well done. Well, yeah, you could just yeah. track him the yeah. whole time. And it was pretty good. I mean, I got most of the turns exactly the same as he had. But nice. a few of them, uh, I went a little wide. I still have this need to sort of drift when I come to a tight uh, corner. So I take it too sharp. And yeah. I'm not looking ahead down the track enough at the next cone or the next two cones for the apex and the turn cones. And so what happens is I, I just turn too tightly. And then, of course, you have to drift out to the yes. track. So my lines get wider than they should be. Whereas he is this, it's the best way to explain the way they drive is like, um, it's, it's like a silk curtain blowing in the wind. It swishes. They swish from side to side and it's all very balanced and very little shifting. The way I drive is like cracking a whip. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like way too tight and make, you know. Well, and anyway. track driving versus street driving is completely different. Well, it depends who you are. True. <laughs> I was. Yeah. Somebody I, I posted. Know. Somebody posted a picture of uh, a 1920s soap opera on a 1920s show on uh, um, on on Facebook, mm-hmm. and the the picture of the the passenger was like freaking out as the driver was just, you know, doing what they normally do, and uh, the caption was, "Do you do you ever drive with anyone that makes you feel like this?" And this person tagged me in it. <laughs> I think I got I got oh, I got the red I got the red riot I got read the riot act in that one too. Uh, it's very rarely that a member of our team gushes, but I noticed some gushing this week, 
as I read the Facebook posts of Perry Stern. Mm-hmm. Uh, Perry is one of the contributors to Our Auto Expert. He also uh, does MSN Autos. And uh, Perry has been driving the new Porsche Boxster. Uh, are you a gusher, Perry? Oh, no, it's not. Perry's not with us yet. So he's just coming. It's coming. Here we are. We'll ask the question again. I'll set it all up again as if it never happened. Okay, it's good now. Uh, uh, it's very rarely that we have a gusher on our team. <laughs> but I am quite happy to say that I noticed there is a gusher amongst us. Uh, Perry Stern uh, has been gushing about the car he's been driving. You can uh, read most of his stuff at Our Auto Expert or uh, MSN Autos. Uh, you've been gushing over this car, haven't you, Perry? I don't think gushing was necessarily the word that came to mind. But, I read the Facebook uh, post, my I friend. Do, I, do, I do favor this car quite a bit. <laughs> I, you know, out of, my, out of my life, there are many people who are very controlled, and I, I would say Perry is one of those. Yes. Like, Perry is very good at just not overreacting, even very even keeled. Him and Mike both mm-hmm. are very good at uh, being even keeled. But I saw a little bit. I have to tell you, Perry, there was a lot of gushing on Facebook this week over the new. <laughs> I got so excited, I called him right away. <laughs> okay, so this car, I mean, if I'm going to gush over something, I guess it's going to be a 718 Boxer GTS because uh, the car is, I mean, it's, nothing is perfect, but it's really good. Uh, tell us about it. So, I mean, this is this vehicle has been around for a little while now, um, and they pro- they're probably just uh, making. There's not a lot of fine tuning to do, but there's probably a little bit in the new version. Uh, there is. I mean, this is the 2021 model. So, in fact, the car I'm driving is actually a German spec car, uh, but it's a worldwide car. So, it's, you know, performance wise, there's not really much difference. But it's uh, it's pure pure sports car. I mean, the nice thing is that you know, and I did similar gushing over the 718 Cayman. Uh, what I like about this is it's open top. So that means you get to hear that wonderful exhaust. You get to experience, well, un- unfortunately over the last week, I get to experience all of the smoke firsthand. Uh, but, uh, but it didn't matter. And, you know, the car is incredibly comfortable, which is really surprising because, you know, you expect, you know, a, a, Porsche, a proper Porsche sports car, you would think would be very stiff and, you know, and rigid. And this one isn't. I mean, you you drive on bumpy roads and it doesn't feel harsh or difficult to live with. But then you go over those roads, you know, twisty roads that have lots of bumps in them, and the car tracks perfectly. I mean, there's no skipping off the road. Um, it's just great fun to drive when it's going fast, and it's really comfortable when it's just cruising. What's the secret sauce to Porsche? Because they seem to be able to do what no other car company can do. Well, you know, they've been doing this for a long time, first of all. I mean, you know, the 911's been around, you know, forever. Uh, and so, you know, they they know how to build a sports car. This one in particular is equipped with the uh, Porsche Active Suspension Management. And what it does is it's, you know, it's able to keep it firm when it needs to be firm, but it's still pliable, so it's comfortable. Um, it's, uh, you know, it is a secret sauce, I suppose. You're, and they've made it so you can have a sports car that you can live with every day. If you had to choose between sending your daughter to college in one of these, which would have you done? Well, luckily, she's already out of college, <laughs> and she used up all the money, so, uh, so no Porsche. Really no option. Yeah, no, no Porsche. I mean, now you're an empty nester or close to being an empty nester. I mean, that's what you, you know, instead of having two kids, maybe you have a Porsche, uh, you know, a 718 Boxster instead. I don't know. 
it's certainly a car I could live with every day. Um, you know, granted, you know, it, I haven't driven it out in the rain much, but uh, we have rain today, and I'm sure today there will be some driving in the rain. But the the grip is so well well done, and you know the traction. Even you know giving full throttle, you have to really push it to break the wheels free, which is good. I mean, you don't want to be drifting around. You know, well sometimes you want to be drifting around, especially if you're in something like a Hellcat. Right. But this is much more refined, and this is designed for going quickly, not for showing off, as far as I'm concerned. I had uh, uh, several listeners have contacted me over the last little while because we've had a a string of very uh, exotic, expensive cars, the S-Class. They just came out with a new version of the Mercedes-Benz S-Class. And, you know, we talk about vehicles like the uh, 718 GTS Boxster from Porsche. So we talk about these all the time. And a lot of these people say, you know, this is not reality. People can't afford them. And my response to that is... Listen, you don't go to an art gallery to buy art paintings. You go there to look at them to appreciate the artist's skill and to appreciate their beauty. And I think it's the same with these cars. You don't have to own one to understand and be a fan, do you? No, but at the same time, you don't get to enjoy it as much either. I mean, the same thing with the painting. You know, you look at it and then you go home and you remember it, but you're still not enjoying it anymore. And, you know, that's, you know, that's why I love my job because even though I don't get to keep it, I get to enjoy it for a little bit longer time. And I'm just as sad as when you leave the art gallery, when they come and take it away, right? Because, you know, I want to keep driving it, but I'm sure, you know, you will be excited about the Toyota Yaris. They're bringing you next week, right? Actually, um, (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm weaning myself well because next week, uh, is the Corvette. Oh, Oh, I'll be right up. (laughs) (laughs) Give me three hours. (laughs) The, the interesting thing about General Motors and uh, them loaning cars out to, to people is that the people that went on the Corvette launch don't get to get loans. <laughs> so, Well, yeah. you know, they got to be fair. You yeah. know, everybody gets a turn. Life isn't fair, Perry. <laughs> so um, are you getting one, Nick? No, I, I'm not getting one because uh, I went on the launch. Well, we're having Shad on later <laughs> today, so we'll have, have to talk to, talk to, to General Motors about <laughs> it. Uh, what's the, what are we sorting, talking about price uh, of the, the GTS? Where does it start, the uh, 70? 18 GTS box. So where does it start? Where does it so, go? So the GTS starts around just under 90 grand. So 88, nine. So it's definitely not inexpensive. As it happens, the car that I'm driving, uh, the Porsche uh, engineers decided to not see how much stuff they could put on it, but they put a lot of stuff on it. So this right. this car I'm driving has thirty thousand dollars worth of options. And <laughs> That's so the price of two cars. This one is about 122, but uh, the folks at, folks at Porsche did point out that that's not a typical build. Most people put 18 to 20 grand worth on their car, or sorry, 12 to 12 to 10, something like that. So this this car would typically be around 100 grand. All right, so it's about three. It has three times the options that someone would normally put on the vehicle. But uh, I always tell people, if I can't experience it, I can't report it. Right? If you if they send you a car without the options, you can't talk about it. So this is true. This is true. So it's uh, so yes. So I'm I'm enjoying the the full sport seats, which are the best seats of cars I've driven in a long time. I mean they they're stiff, but they fit you just perfectly. So it's uh, it's comfortable. They look really good. They say GTS on the top, uh, and there's almost this like intricate almost artwork mm-hmm. the way it's uh, bolted into the car. I mean it just. They thought of every little detail in this car. And I should point out, it's a manual transmission, which is not a very common thing anymore with sports cars. You know what? I'm seeing a speeding ticket in your future. Be careful. 
Well, it is Arrest Me Red. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. If you, if you want to read more about this vehicle or anything else that Perry writes about, you could try OurAutoExpert.com or you could also try MSN Autos. He is a stellar reporter, and I am nothing but envious right now. Perry Stern, we'll be right back. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. You catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. Uh, a lot of times I get super, super excited when we have uh, new vehicles uh, on the line, and they're coming out very soon. And Ford announcing uh, the new Tremor. Uh, Chad is joining us on the phone to talk about that. So first of all, uh, Ford have been killing it with trucks for 40 years. Is this going to uh, get you to hold on to your position as the best truck seller in America? Yeah. Hey, Nick, thanks for having me on. And and, uh, I I absolutely hope it does. We're we're pretty confident in our uh, ability to deliver great trucks for our customers and uh rangers tremor is 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 no different in fact it it helps us raise the bar a little further where does it fall um you you know is this so it's an off-road package the tremor package is an off-road package does this uh does this fall as the most capable off-road ranger or is it uh is it not uh is there more capable vehicles that you can get uh trim levels you can get as over the ranger yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It is the the most capable off-road Ranger that you can buy uh, here in the States. It is, uh, as you know, the, the base Ranger by itself is a pretty competent uh, vehicle, both on and off-road. Uh, we do have uh, an FX4 package that we've been selling for the last couple of years that's done really well and, and gets some additional off-road capability. But Tremor absolutely takes it up a notch. Uh, there's a whole series of um, off-road capability features content to, to really expand what this vehicle can do uh, but one thing i wanted to mention uh, you know before we get into some of that off-road capability is at ford we, we really focused on you know this truck needs to be a truck right it needs to do truck things it needs to tow it needs to have payload capa- capability uh, it needs to drive well on road as well it's not just a, a weekend warrior it's, it's got to be your daily driver uh, so we, we we've stuck to the principle to make it strong not only off-road but also on-road and with uh, ca- capability retained so let's talk about some of the things that uh, you've done to update it and oh, one quick question before we do that everybody always likes to you know the benchmark in trim levels of trucks has got to be the Raptor. Everyone has always always liked to say, how is it, and although the Raptor is on an F-150 base, how is this on a range to Raptor? Yeah, it won't be quite as competent as, as the as the F one fifty Raptor. Um, you know that has a you know you know some additional capability and horsepower and, and, and powertrain improvements uh, that aren't in the Tremor package on Ranger. But but in terms of what Ranger does to have a, a more compact footprint vehicle, right. you know, like the Ranger, uh, you know that there's a lot of folks who who would who prefer that that smaller size on trails. Uh, and, and this package then takes up the capability. I mean, there's a couple things it really does, right? It adds a lot of suspension improvement. Um, we've added Fox 2.0 uh, shocks, uh, dampers with yeah. with rear reservoir uh, piggyback. So 
it really helps uh, smooth out those bumps and bruises that you're going to get uh, driving in an off-road terrain. Um, we've added some uh, ground clearance. Uh, it's up. It sits up about uh, close to an inch. Um, it also that nice. full inch is almost uh, entirely consumed in the improvements in, in some of the jounce travel. Um, so, so a lot of the the mechanics of the suspension system and the geometries like approach, departure, and breakover angle have really helped get this thing up off the ground a little bit more uh, and help uh, help the system uh, stabilize and feel more controlled in an off road environment i went to the ranger uh launch when you launched it in san diego uh probably a couple years yeah. ago now and we we got to do some some off-roading with it you guys had dug out a big water pit and it was it, you could definitely do things like some very tight uh circles in the sand with it also driving it uh, fording through water was obviously very capable uh, but this just takes it up a, a step a, a notch for those people that want a little bit more of a wild ride uh what about uh sort of being able to bolt-on accessories, uh, winches and light bars and those sort of things. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that, that, the, that the Tremor has is some technology, right? And one of those technologies is, hits on right exactly what you're talking about, it's the ability to expand uh, for accessory add-ons. We've added a six-button auxiliary switchback right in the, in the interior of the cab. Uh, so what you can do is you can run off-road lights, you can run a winch, you can run a compressor, or even you just can throw a television in the back for the tailgate uh, that you're going to on Saturday or Sunday. Uh, and you can hook all those electronic devices powered into an integrated switchback in your vehicle. So what it does is those who want to expand on this and make it an overlanding truck or, you know, take it to their tailgates or whatever they're going to do, they can, they can add all this equipment uh, in a very integrated fashion without running wires and cutting holes into your truck and, and try to do that yourself. I love it when you guys put it, uh, sort of make it plug and play for us. Uh, obviously, people are going to be taking this into terrain. They wouldn't take the regular Ranger. I can get, get a little more adventurous. If they happen to get stuck, are you, if you made it so we can tow it out? Yeah, so uh, it, it's interesting you mentioned that because we've got recovery hooks that we've added to the rear of the vehicle. Uh, whether you're to getting towed out or you're towing somebody else out, um, you, you've got these, these beefy recovery hooks on the back. It also comes equipped uh, with front tow hooks as well. So there's four tow hooks slash recovery hooks on the vehicle, two in the front and two in the back that, that, that kind of help with that scenario. I, I always like to think... That, uh, that it's me going to be pulling somebody else out. But sometimes I take a few <laughs> too many risks and it has to be the other way around. All right, last question for you. Where are we looking at pricing yeah. and availability? Yeah, so, uh, so it, we're, it, the nice thing about what we've done with, with Tremor is we're offering it as a package. And unlike some of uh, the other uh, folks in, who, who build off-road trucks, where they put their most capable vehicle way at the top of their lineup so you have to get all the bells and the whistles, uh, we've made this available both on our mid-series XLT truck as a package and our high-series Lariat nice. as a package. So really what it does is it, it allows you to get into the Tremor uh, at, at a couple different price points um, so you're not, you're not uh, forced to go all in. Um, so the price of the package itself is $4,290. Okay. Um, that is, so it makes the, an XLT truck uh, equipped with the Tremor, crew cab, 4x4, Run you about forty thousand, and then uh, it, that would go up to about forty five thousand ish uh, on a lariat. 
Uh, there's a couple other things in the package I, that, that I neglected to mention to you. You get a off-road hoop step. You get brand-new Continental Grabber, ATX tires. You get new wheels, oh, skid plate. Chad, we're running up to the news, but if you want to check out more, uh, go to Ford.com. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. This is our Auto Expert Radio Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us, ask a car question, just direct messages at Our Auto Expert. It's where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Uh, it's always good to get a catch-up on the industry and see how we're doing as far as car sales are concerned. Joining this week, as this week is Tyson Yomini. He is the Vice President of Data and Analytics at J.D. Power & Associates. Uh, so it's been a little while since we talked. Is America's car sales back on track? How are we feeling about them? <laughs> well, thanks for having me back, Nick. Um, yeah, think, things are, are strong. Um, uh, sales for, for August, at least, were uh, about 8% below uh, previous year. So extraordinarily strong, all things considered. Um, but inventory remains the, the biggest story uh, of the industry. and It's very tight. So factories were probably shut down for two, three months. Um, are they all back to 100% now? Or is, is, should inventory be filtering through uh, to the way it was before the pandemic? Yeah, and, and the thing is, is we always had a little bit of excess capacity. We don't like to talk about that because sometimes that leads to problems. But in this case, it's actually a really good thing in that we have more capacity than we usually need. So we're using that to try to get back on track. So inventory is ticking up every month, but we're still down 900,000 units from year-ago levels. And that's an improvement from where it was. And that's just in, in the month of August. Uh, let, let's talk about what's hot and what's not. Uh, where, uh, I mean, in my mind, I want to think a car buyer is going in and looking at the, you know, what happens if I need to, I can't go on vacation via a plane this year, so I need something that transports the family. I can go maybe camping with, uh, I want an SUV. Those type of things are, are the thought patterns that I think that most Americans have. But is that translating into car sales? Well, most Americans want and love their trucks, um, and, and trucks, the, the two main pickup truck segments, both the, the full-size F-150 Silverado and the mid-size truck, your Tacomas, uh, are both remain red hot. Um, Year-to-date, those segments are only off 3% from year-ago levels, so Americans continue to want to buy those. They also want that SUV, Nick, for the road trip, the summer, you know, the summer drive. We're not flying anywhere, so we're driving this, this summer. So SUVs also remain uh, extraordinarily hot. Cars, not so much. That's what we're seeing is, is not performing very well. Uh, the, the luxury segment has seemed to have quite an injection of uh, sales, and, I, and I'm wondering whether that's because people are looking for a deal or whether it's because there was some pent-up uh, buying frustrations which were delayed for three or four months. Well, luxury sales tend to be strongest on the coast, and that's also where we saw... COVID in the strongest uh, areas of the country, too. So there was a lot of impact on the luxury side of the business at the peak of, of coronavirus shutdowns. And so we are seeing some pent-up demand, some of those buyers coming back to market. But luxury is having a fantastic year. It is going you know, shot for shot with Main Street, so it, it's hanging in there. And, and it seems like there is still some pent-up demand because lease penetration remains down. So a lot of lease buyers are still on the sidelines. So 
more upside out there for for luxury sales. Let's talk about the used car market. Uh, How is that faring? How are auctions faring? How are the sales faring of used vehicles? Everything was was going great for used cars because we didn't have anything new to sell. So we we piled in there. We we bid up the prices. We bought up all the inventory. And now we've run out of used cars as well. So those sales are falling backwards. But again, like the news side, the inventory is more than anything driving that. It's not a lack of demand for, for used vehicles. Uh, but for the month of August, we actually saw used sales were, were down slightly year over year, whereas you know in July, they, they were up 10%. In, in June, they were up 20% year over year. Most vehicles that are made in America are made on the East Coast, um, in the Southeast of the United States. Uh, most imports uh, tend to come in, uh, I think, through the West Coast uh, from Japan and Korea. Uh, so is it, are those vehicles that are coming in on the West Coast, are they making it out to the East Coast? And are some of the vehicles that are being manufactured on the East Coast, are we, are we seeing it regionally divided about where a vehicle is made or where it enters the country? That's a, a great perspective, and, and, and we're not really necessarily seeing that in the data. Um, we are seeing hot models uh, for different manufacturers from different countries, and, and those can be constrained. Uh, but we're not really seeing it as a, a distribution-type uh, problem going on in, in the industry. But I, I really like that angle. Um, I, I think it has something worth, worth watching. I know I had a friend who wanted a, a RAV4 Prime, and he lives in Texas, and uh, with the help of Toyota, I had to locate one, but I located it on a ship, which was coming into the port of Long Beach in California. And, and what we had to do is basically when it got to California, stop anybody taking it out of uh, it being available and made sure it made, got it on a truck and it made it all the way to Texas because ev- yeah, everybody was trying to snap it up uh, because they wanted it. You know, it's hard. Some of these new vehicles that were announced, like the RAV4 Prime, uh, they're just not making it out of the ports. And what's happening is it's much cheaper to just push it into an LA dealership and have it sold in 10 minutes than it is to put it on a truck and pay, you know, four or $500 and ship it all the way across the country. So I've seen that uh, happen firsthand as well. Uh, when we talk about different models in different regions, uh, how, are, how are regions faring? Uh, is, is it still very slow where coronavirus is the strongest or uh, is it sort of evening out because of pent up sales demand? On a year-to-date basis, we are still seeing that the big coastal markets, the East Coast, West Coast, Northern markets, are performing worse than average. Um, so we, we are seeing still the Sunbelt markets from, from Phoenix all the way through Charlotte and, and all the Texas and Florida markets in between are, are outperforming the, the national average by, by several percentage points. So you talk about the largest markets in the country, New York and Philadelphia and Chicago and Los Angeles that are underperforming. That means smaller markets are, are really carrying us forward and more rural markets. And so in many cases, it's, it's places where coronavirus didn't hit as strongly. Uh, and, and then they saw these great incentive offers throughout the coronavirus period. Uh, so if you're, you know, you live in Montana or Nebraska and, and, and you, you know, maybe you've never even met someone who had coronavirus or, or heard of it. And yet these offers are are just fantastic. And so we saw some extraordinarily resilient markets in the rural parts of the country. uh, And that still is kind of holding up, although they love their trucks. And as I said, Nick, we just don't have enough of them. Uh, incentives are obviously a, a good point to make because uh, in the past we've seen as much as $12,000 plus as an incentive on the hood of a vehicle. But there isn't, and excuse my pun here, but there isn't much incentive to have incentives right now from the automakers, is there? 
There's not. As a matter of fact, in August, incentives fell year over year for the first time in 16 months. So things are going down because we don't have anything to sell. There's no reason to, to try to stoke demand for, for things we don't have on dealership lots. So incentives are coming back. They've been falling ever since they peaked way back in April. And now we're finally down year over year again for the first time in 16 months. Uh, do we have any clear winner or losers as far as brands are concerned? Uh, uh, you know, we hear about, obviously, if you have a very heavy sedan lineup in your uh, vehicle mix, you probably did a lot worse. But uh, is there any indication about who's uh, succeeding or is it all just down to models and uh, trims and types? Yeah, it, it comes down a lot to, to models. Uh, but, you know, we, we do know that uh, trucks and SUVs are, are continuing to dominate. So when we say trucks, that's a code word for Detroit 3, um, continue to do extraordinarily well. Uh, but SUVs in general, I mean, when we add those two together, Nick, we're getting up. At one point, we were at 78% of the market were trucks and SUVs. I mean, the only thing bigger than, like, the, the number of dentists that recommend dentine gum, four out of five dentists, <laughs> metric I could think of bigger than, than the number of trucks and SUVs that, that were doing well. And so the automakers that do well in those spaces tend to follow it. So Detroit 3. But, you know, even, even Toyota, you mentioned the, the RAV4 hybrid, uh, uh, the RAV4 Prime. Toyota is doing fantastic with their, their hybrids, too, and they're really building the hybrid market this year. Yeah, that's interesting to note that uh, uh, people are also looking for, as, apart from looking for something that's capable and they could pile the whole family in and perhaps go across country or uh, use their truck for both work and play, uh, hi- hybrid and electric market, uh, do we see any jumps uh, there either direction? Well, for the, the hybrid, the old school technology, you know, the Prius, the, the original alternative, that's actually growing this year. It's one of the, the top growing alternative uh, fuel types or propulsion types in the industry. When we talk about BEVs and, and Tesla and, and EVs, those are actually flat year to date. Um, and so we're, we're actually seeing a shift here. And the, the number one alternative fuel, this is going to probably blow your mind, Nick, diesel is growing really? the fastest this year, faster than hybrids faster than EVs, old school, dirty diesel. How did this happen? <laughs> a lot of pickup trucks have it. The Jeep Wrangler has it. So there's a lot of diesel growth going on out there right now. Who even knew? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting one to, to look at. Uh, Tyson, we always enjoy having your reports, uh, looking at how the auto industry fares, uh, who's the winners, who's the losers. It's good to note that we're about 8% below uh, previous uh, predictions for this time of year. And Hopefully, as those factories start to get inventory back, there seems to be a pent-up demand for vehicles. So as inventory starts to come back into dealer lots across the country, we'll start to see an increasing number of vehicles sold. And with our fingers crossed, we may be back onto a level playing field sometime towards the end of the year. Tyson Jomini from uh, J.D. Power and Associates. He is the president of Data and Analytics. Uh, I will tell you that if you want to listen to uh, his report, again or you want to enjoy any of the past shows you can go to our website it's ourautoexpert.com this show is rolled into a podcast every week and there you can also read all of the latest uh, information about cars the written reports see the photographs of new models that have been rolled out you can also watch the tv shows and tv segments that mike cordell and i are taking part in that show off all the latest vehicles we'll have some of the top news stories about vehicles including we'll talk about the new trailblazer the lexus rc the mini gp and we'll find out about general motors new flying car that's all coming up on the show
You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri, play Our Auto Expert radio show. And all the previous episodes of the podcast are available. Hours of endless fun await you. I'm Nick Miles. This is Our Auto Expert radio show, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Uh, This week, I have been driving the new Trailblazer all-wheel drive. We'll be talking about that with Shad later on the show, but also the Lexus RC, uh, the 2021 version. I will tell you about this vehicle I forget how well balanced and what great performance uh, performing vehicles the uh, Lexus family are, especially the RC. I remember driving it in New Orleans on the track for the first time when the RCF came out. That was an absolutely uh, astounding vehicle. The only complaint I have about this, and it's not really a complaint, it's just to know, <laughs> is the fact that you really can't sit four people in it. Although it has four seats and two doors, there's very little room in it. You are exempt from any of this conversation, Jen, because no. you can fit in the back but most people (laughs) of normal stature jordan could not fit in the back of this vehicle because it's so so tight and i i do designed for carrying people well clearly otherwise it would be a fail (laughs) but it's designed to have fun in but uh, sometimes uh i want to take that car so for instance i'll give you an example uh we go and take my father-in-law out for lunch every sunday Mm -hmm. there and he's 80 years old there's mm-hmm. no way you can get in the back of this vehicle. It just isn't happening. So mm-hmm. I'm going to have to take a different vehicle so he can enjoy uh, a day out with us. Right. It's a challenge. It's a bit of a challenge. And I also I feel a little bit badly for him uh, because I like to, you know, it's a 40 minute drive to go pick him up. And I like night long, sm- long roads that I can go fast on. I like to take him, but I'm going to have to get him something he can sit in comfortably. Well, I was going to say, it was the Lexus 500. Don't you have one of those? The 508. H-N-N-H. Yeah. You mean the GX470? No. The SUV I have? Where? Do, are you seeing cars in my driveway that aren't there? <laughs> are you drinking? You them? have so many cars that come in and out all the time. I mean, I, I, I could I'm just take saying. It. I'm actually excited because I can get, you get the new Lexus IS uh, this week, which I'm going to do a thing on that. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk about the Trailblazer in a minute. Yeah. Uh, G- uh, General Motors explores the market for electric flying cars. They're exploring the option of an aerial taxi market, including whether to build the vehicle known uh, interestingly as the flying car. That's what we call them, <laughs> period. Although, I have to say, and I mentioned this on um, the national uh, radio show that I do, uh, somebody else's show that I do on Friday mornings. Mm-hmm. We have enough trouble. I call it 2D driving. Currently, we have 2D driving. There's forward, back, left, and right. There's 2D driving. Imagine adding a third dimension to this, up and down. <laughs> uh, where do you put traffic lights in the sky? How do you do lane control? Um, you know, like, do you, what happens if you want to overtake somebody and all four supposed lanes are taken up? You just go in a bit of sky that you're not supposed to be driving in? I mean, there There's are a million so and one questions, things. but uh, they're including whether or not to build their vehicles, the flying car, as part of a push by the U.S. automaker to look for growth in related transportation markets. Uh, people familiar with this matter have said that Mary Burra uh, on Monday briefly made her first reference to the Detroit-based GM's interest in an air taxi market saying that it fits with the development of electronic ve- electric vehicles EVs and it's uh, hopefully advanced battery system that GM are could, developing could yeah. you imagine i mean is there like you know you have to deal with the what is it the FCC with the space rules and federal uh, uh, air um, control or um, traffic control yeah i mean we have i don't know those little flying 
buzzy things that my neighbors fly all over. Drone. I a hate drone. those things. <laughs> flying buzzy <laughs> things. <laughs> those are bad enough. I operate a flying buzzy thing. That's well. my professional. <laughs> uh, they have a uh, strong interest in air taxes. Uh, the <laughs> vertical takeoff and landing will obviously uh, be something that they'll be looking at. Uh, electric motors instead of a jet engine designed to avoid the needs uh, for long runways. <laughs> they're also looking at rotating uh, wing versions, propellers. Uh, they're doing a lot of electric vehicles. So uh, that's kind of interesting as well. So uh, I'm just saying there's there's an interest there. Uh, Ford also announced this week that uh, the F-150 will be the most powerful electric vehicle. They have new information about the upcoming all-electric F-150. The battery-powered uh, truck is scheduled to enter production in mid-2022 at the uh, dedicated facility being built at the automaker's uh, Rogue Complex, where the F-150 is currently manufactured. Ford says the pickup will have two electric motors and more horsepower and torque than the F-150. The most powerful model currently on sale is the F-150 Raptor, with, uh, which which has a turbocharged V6 rated at 450 horsepower and 510 pounds-feet of torque. So we know the electric truck is going to be more than that. Ford had previously teased the truck's capability in a video of the prototype towing a train that weighed over 1 million pounds, but has uh, released a new video of it being uh, tested up to 60% gradient and uh, off-road trail as well. However, the video warns that this shouldn't be uh, driven through water that's deeper than the bottom of the wheel hubs, which means that there is uh, going to be an issue if you do that. Sparks will fly and people in the vehicle may feel uh, an electric shock. Nissan uh, shows off their new Z prototype sports car revealed with a retro styling. This is interesting. I am not sure how I feel about this vehicle, uh, the new Z. It has been for sale for over a decade, but the brand's next sports car will resemble something much older than the Z uh, that it currently looks like. 370Z has been on sale for a decade. The uh, Nissan Z Proto revealed Tuesday night is a prototype for the 370Z's long-awaited replacement. I think it's probably going to be called the uh, 400Z. Uh, that's the likelihood. Uh, this vehicle, interestingly enough, um, I think is going to be uh, probably a big hit for Nissan, regardless of whether it's uh, it's ugly or not. I'm, I'm not sure. You have to go look at the pictures. You really have to go look at the pictures like to decide what you think you do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I always have to be the odd one out. <laughs> yes, you do, Jan. You have to be the odd one out. Uh, uh, it's something of the great, uh, great, greatest hits of all the Z cars put together with tailgates inspired by the 300ZX of the 1990s, uh, a larger rectangular grille open like the 370Z. As a work in progress, uh, um, you can exact all, all those exact specifications are yet to be offered, but Nissan said it would be powered by a twin-turbo V6 and confirmed that a six-speed manual transmission is being developed, even as many other sports cars are only available in automatics, like the Mini GP that I recently drove, but it's amazing in an automatic. It also has a handbrake lever. Woohoo! Handbrake turns, everybody. And a relatively straightforward interior design with three knobs for climate control, and with a touchscreen infotainment center, uh, a center and uh, a three along the performance gauges all along the middle of it on the top of the dash as well. So it's, uh, I would just say it's an interesting vehicle. I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. Uh, if you want to see more pictures of it, you can just Google it. Uh, also, you can go to our website and read all about the latest vehicles which are on sale, including the 370Z amongst other vehicles as well. Um, Jen? Yes. Uh, is it a thumbs up or a thumbs down for you? Thumbs up. 
All right. I'll go with that. Uh, coming up after the news, we get to talk to Mike Codell. He's going to tell us about the Ram truck that he's been driving, plus the Mercedes-Benz C63 AMG S and Infiniti's GX50 is another vehicle that he's been driving as well. Of course, he's the other half of our auto expert, plus Chad Bolts joining us to talk about the Trailblazer and Anton Warman. He's going to be here, as well as mothers. Yes, our mothers are going to be here. That's coming up on the show. <laughs> You're listening to the R Auto Expert Podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated for the Northwest and the Southeast, this is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is our Auto Expert, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Uh, a lot of times, you don't get to uh, you know, be part of what goes on on our Auto Expert uh, on the website um, very often. So you should join us and log in and check out all of the stuff that Mike Cordell posts, because you can see his segments for TV around the country, which is really great. Uh, recently, Mike has uh, had a slew of cars in his driveway, which he's been test driving. Uh, we should start off with Mike and say that uh, you did get a chance to go to Atlanta to see the new Mercedes-Benz S-Class, didn't you? I did, and thanks for having me on, you guys. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Saturday. And yes, I made my way to Atlanta to check out the all-new S-Class. I got to tell you, pretty amazing. Uh, some amazing vehicle. Some of the technology is pretty outstanding, isn't it? Well, I think that's what separates it from a lot of other vehicles in the market. You have not only artificial intelligence, meaning like a robot when you get in the car, the vehicle greets you. Uh, it'll set everything to your, your selections uh, that you want in a vehicle, but it also has uh, augmented reality. Uh, so you have a variety of 3D screens. It's the first vehicle with three chips. And what I mean by chips, uh, the company that put them in, a company called NVIDIA out of the Bay Area, they're a, a gaming company. So you're now seeing gaming chips integrated into the vehicle. Uh, as you know, Nick, one of the coolest features of that car is this, this side, and, and just to keep it simple in terms, the side impact collision uh, mitigation this vehicle will do, it will either raise up or drop the vehicle when a sensor detects a vehicle uh, approaching from the side from an impact standpoint. Pretty cool. Um, I, I, I will say the two, the luxury in the back of, of the vehicle is outstanding. And that's one of the things that I think is going to make it uh, probably the embassy car of the year. Uh, at least one of those things that ambassadors are really excited about. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Ram trucks. They have a new, uh, it's, I guess it's not completely new, but they have a, a next generation of their built to serve vehicles. Yeah, so what's really cool is these are really focused on our men and women that serve in the armed, armed services. So they have five different trim levels coming out to represent the different branches of the military, which is unique. And this week was uh, the Air Force's uh, birthday. So um, what was really cool is they debuted the Air Force Edition. So it'll be based on a Ram truck, and it comes with, you know, very patriotic uh, symbolism. So you'll see American flags on it, stitching, things on the inside. Uh, some up upgraded beefier suspension, some things that separate it from other Ram trucks. I love that they're really, you know, and that's, I, I got to give it up for Ram. I got to get up, give it up for them. They've been really pushing hard the last few years to really move past Ford Motor Company. Uh, they're not quite there in sales yet, but they're close, knocking off Chevrolet uh, on and off over the past year. Really cool stuff from Ram. 
Uh, and of course, it's nice to see somebody take some time out to honor uh, some of those people that serves. I wonder if they'll do a firefighter edition, uh, which would be kind of interesting that since we've had cool. so many people and maybe donate some of the money to the forest fires. I'm just giving them ideas. I should probably charge for these ideas, too, as well. well um, talk to Jim when he comes on. Jumping back to, to Mercedes, <laughs> the vehicle that you drove up to the Mercedes headquarters in Atlanta uh, was a vehicle that we've been lucky enough to have as well. The Mercedes-Benz C63 AMG or the AMG C63S. Uh, this is probably a car I could own without any capacity of bother whatsoever. It's amazing, right? Oh, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. You know, here's what's really awesome about Mercedes right now is that if you go back 10 years ago, you know, you've got BMW that was really the, the ultimate driving machine. Everyone thought about track performance. And, you know, Mercedes just kind of quietly crept up from behind and over the last few years are building vehicles that are. And this, so I drove the, the 2020 Mercedes-Benz, and this is the C63 AMG S. And this thing was built and inspired for the track. And then what they did is they homologated it and, and then just made it purpose-built for the street. So all of its DNA is from the track. Paddle shifters, carbon fiber. 503 horsepower, 516 foot-pounds of torque. I mean, the thing is just so incredibly fast. Fun to drive, racing seats, F1-inspired steering wheel. I could go on and on and on, and yes, I'd like one in my driveway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the things is I think a lot of times you, you look at Mercedes-Benz, you go, oh, yeah, it's a, they're, they're nice vehicles, but you forget what incredible performance machines they are. This thing was so fun to drive. And what's really unique is that the vehicle has a variety of different electronically controlled driving modes. So from here to Atlanta, so Nashville to Atlanta, I put it in comfort mode. The suspension gets softer, rises the vehicle up, raises the vehicle up a little bit. The steering is very much more plush, and it's what you'd expect out of a luxury vehicle like a Mercedes. But when you go into that sport and then listen to this, they've got not just a sport button, they've got a sport plus button, and then they've got a race button. So three of the buttons are all designated mm. for you know stiffer steering wheel, better engine performance, uh, louder exhaust. Uh, the ability to paddle shift in a manual transmission. I mean, it's just really sick. Uh, one of the things I noticed, too, is even, I mean, you can, but uh, it's not hard to drive. And even if you sort of, in some other vehicles, you'd expect the back end to drift out a little bit, uh, it doesn't really, uh, you know, it's easy to control the vehicle. The safety systems in the vehicle don't allow you to screw up that much. I mean, they allow you to screw up, don't get me wrong, but not that much. It's so incredibly easy to drive, and I think what's awesome is that technology in all vehicles today has just come so much further. I'll actually give you a great example. So uh, going from two different Mercedes, the S-Class and the C63 AMG, and then talking about RAM, I actually am test driving this week. It's the Infiniti QX50, and i got to tell you, I am shocked. And when I do my TV news segment on it, I will say the word shocked. Right. This car is so amazing uh could use a little bit more horsepower but it is roomy it is sexy it has got such a cool design i i just think it's a total home run and a vehicle that anyone looking for a luxurious vehicle in a small package they should consider the qx50 man it is really amazing i i think i did mention to you that uh that it, it's a surprise when i went on the launch of the vehicle 
I thought it was a nice vehicle, but wasn't that impressed. When I had it uh, in my fleet at home, uh, the interior is just out of this world. And the performance as well, it has that variable compression engine, which means that the sort of the more you stomp your foot down, the, the more sort of power you get out of it. Uh, the engine seems to step up and respond. It's not just uh, like turning a dial up. It's almost like it exponentially increases the performance when you put your foot down. It, it does, and I think part of it is you and I had talked before I drove that car, and I'm like, you're crazy. There's no way that thing's going to be cool. And then I jumped in it, and I, I swear my kids every single day, they're like, Dad, can we go in the Infinity? Can we go in the Infinity? <laughs> we don't want to take Mom's car. We want to go in the Infinity. I, I will say, and I agree with you, they, they've integrated really cool power, like powertrain performance into the vehicle, but it, but it does need a bigger motor. I, I think that's my only thing is it – if you want to compete against Mercedes and BMW, the only suggestion I would have to the engineers is just put a slightly larger motor in there. You can use turbochargers. You can use different types of technology to, to get more beefiness out of the vehicle. But at the end of the day, you still need a slightly larger block to get more power. I think you, do, you also have to remember, Mike, that most people don't drive like you and I. Fast, pedal to the metal, drive it like you stole it. Yeah, a little bit. In sixty seconds, how many of these you want me to recite? Uh, yeah, that's how we work. You know, you know what it's like with us. Like uh, we uh, thrills don't come cheap for us; they come expensive, and uh, and uh, oftentimes I have to bring myself back to mom taking the kids to school. She doesn't need to do zero to sixty in you know six seconds. <laughs> she needs to be. Yeah. You know. Years ago. Years ago, I worked with the president of the National Automobile Dealers Association, Don Christie Jr. He's retired now. And he said to me in a meeting when we were talking about cars, he said, this is all great, but you have to talk about cars from the standpoint of Joe and Mary Smith that live in the middle of the country. that are on a fixed income, speak to them, and you'll always be able to talk to a car well. And I went, you know what? Guy's right. That's true. You gotta you gotta know your audience and talk to your audience about vehicles. Uh, if what what would you say was the best car you've driven this year? The best car I've driven this year. Oh, that's not fair. I mean, I I could put a Ram fifteen hundred in there. I could put this Infinity in there. I would say that the best car that I that really took me by surprise uh, would probably be the two thousand twenty one Mercedes Benz GLS. 63 AMG. Right. Now it was expensive, but I mean it's a full-size SUV with just insane amount of horsepower, super fun to drive, uh, roomy. Uh, I would say if I had uh, an income, no no concern about income, it would be that vehicle. If I had to watch my pennies, like most Americans, which I do, I would look at this Infinity. I think this Infinity is a great vehicle. But then I, I mean, it just, it's all about your flavor, right? If you want economy, fuel economy, you might look at the Hyundai Ioniq. I was really surprised with that vehicle. I thought it was cool. Yeah. Uh, it just all depends on what it is you're looking for. All right. If you had to go out and spend your money on a new vehicle today, what would you buy? Go. If I had to buy a vehicle for Bronco. <laughs> well, you've already ordered one <laughs> of those. On, I, thought you, girl, I, I thought you. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna say uh, uh, a GS motorcycle yeah. from BMW. But there you go. Corvette. Well, if you said motorcycles, I would say. Well, that. all right. What what transportation would you buy? Me? No, uh, I'm asking Mike. Oh, sorry. I know you'd buy a Chevy <laughs> truck, Jen. That's a given. Or a Cor- Camaro. I want a Corvette. Okay, let, Corvette. let me just let me throw it back with one question. Answer this question. I'll give you the answer. Uh, newer, you newer, old. Uh, brand new off the dealer lot. Go. Fifteen hundred Ram. Fifteen hundred. Nice. 
So yeah, you, I you, go Ram fifteen hundred. That's a salute to Truck Girl Jam. But Ram, look, Ram has done so. Ram has done some amazing things with their trucks over the last few years. And you guys know I'm a Ford guy. Right. I've got a Ford F two fifty. I've got a Ford Bronco. I've got a Ford C Max. I am a Ford. You know, I bleed blue. But don't get Ram, into, let's not get into the C Max conversation. <laughs> yeah, when Ram came out with their new fifteen hundred. I questioned it at first, then I drove it, then I learned about e-torque, then right. I saw the big you know, monster screen in the inside, then I learned right. about the independent suspension on the rear. And when I learned yeah. about that, it drives that, like a Cadillac. Yeah, that sold you, that sold you. Uh, listen, watch Mike's TV segments at OurAutoExpert.com. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show. Our website is OurAutoExpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen. Recently, uh, I took delivery out of the press fleet of the brand new Chevrolet uh, Blazer. Not the Blazer Blazer, but the uh, the Chevrolet, which is the Trail Blazer. And you have to define between these two vehicles, the Blazer and the Trailblazer. The Trailblazer is the latest uh, vehicle from Chevrolet to join their portfolio for 2020 uh, with a new badge and a completely new design. It's the entry-level vehicle that they have, and I am more than impressed with this vehicle. In fact, I noticed that Chevrolet have been hitting it out of the park with their latest vehicles probably for the last several years. In fact, the whole of General Motors has. Uh, this speaks to everything in my soul. Economical, uh, rugged looking, ready to go, loads of technology, has great styling, but far be it from me to tell you all about it. Chad Belch is joining us on the phone to talk about the brand new Chevrolet Trailblazer for 2021. So it's nice to see the portfolio growing for uh, Chevrolet SUVs, but you've always been fairly dominant in the SUV market, haven't you, Chad? Yeah, we have. I mean, that's sort of our bread and butter. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head with your description of this vehicle. It slots right in where it's it's the perfect vehicle that people are moving out of cars and into into a a all-wheel drive small sport utility vehicle Let, let's talk about the tracks which was the original entry-level suv that you had how does this compare to that obviously this is more off-roady more aggressive in its looks but size-wise if somebody's looking at an entry-level chevrolet where do they in which way do they go between the tracks and the trailblazer well, the Trailblazer is definitely a all-new design. It, it has a more youthful look to it, and it's just loaded with content. So in terms of value, that's where the Trailblazer shines. It is, you get just so much bang for the buck, literally, in this vehicle. And it's, it's just all packaged in a way that it makes sense to a lot of people when they're considering getting into the small SUV segment. It's interesting to look at the front of it, Shad, because um, I've always known, you know, Chevrolet have always had this sort of solid, uh, meaty front uh, of all of their vehicles. Um, uh, some are, are definitely more favorite than others for mine. But this has this sort of cheeky, highly stylized look with this almost this big smiling face and these very sort of thin lights up top. Yeah, it really does. And what that does, the design gives it gives the vehicle just so much more presence on the road that you forget that it's actually a very small SUV. And you'll notice that there's a lot of design cues that we pulled from the Blazer, 
which is the segment size right above that. And that design inspiration came from Camaro. So you could definitely see the, you know, the Chevy DNA, as we call it, all the way down into, which is now our smallest crossover, the Trailblazer. Big grill, uh, also great big fog lights, uh, nice, very thin LEDs, very thin headlights. Uh, one of the things that you've done to sort of trick the eye into making this vehicle look both bold and rugged and capable for all terrains is made the wheel cladding and the cladding on the bottom of the vehicle make it look like it's actually got a lot higher lift than it actually has. Yeah, there are a lot of design elements that, that we put on this vehicle that sort of just bring your eye to a certain location and help convince you that it, it looks bigger and more aggressive and just beefier than it really is. And that's a testament to what, what good design is all about, is making something appealing to the various aspects that you would look for that you would typically find in a much larger or much more expensive vehicle. Once you get to the back end of the vehicle, the, the C, it has a floating roof. It has uh, those black pillars. The AB pillar is black. And the C pillar is actually body colored, but the roof is also blacked out. So it ha- and, and the C pillar is so sort of large and stretched out. It really gives me this feeling that it has a very robust sort of stout. back end, stout yeah. back end, which always, you know, always tells us that although this is front wheel drive, it looks like it's being pushed and propelled along as well. Exactly. And that combined with the way that the rear, the roof rakes down on the rear, it just gives it this much more longer, sleek look to it and adds to that whole element that you just described where it looks like it's just thrusting itself forward. Let's talk about technology on the inside. A really nicely put together inside. Uh, General Motors uh, have really updated a lot of their insides in this vehicle. What sort of tech comes in the Trailblazer? That's the best part about this vehicle is that it's loaded with technology it's got a power lift gate, the panoramic sunroof, automatic climate control, wireless phone charging, and then this is new. It's wireless Apple CarPlay and Android Auto Connect. So you no longer have to connect the cord to get your Apple CarPlay to project onto the infotainment screen. It's got uh, USB-A, USB-C ports, uh, adaptive cruise control is an option. So all of the latest technology, uh, Wi-Fi hotspot. Uh, everything that is the latest and greatest is packed into this vehicle. It has a very bright blue uh, trim uh, paint color, uh, which I I noticed in one of the pictures. The RS version has this bright blue. Uh, right. It's love it. Yeah, love what it. is? Do we know what that's called? I I want to order that one right now. That's uh, outstanding. It's a yeah. Good question. I'll have to look that up. That's <laughs> the best part too. Is there's so many color options with this vehicle, I and mean, when you have the the, the main body color options combined with the two-tone roof where you can get black or white, it really allows you to customize it and make this vehicle your own. And then, of course, the two options for the top trim are the RS and the active, depending on what sort of style that you want to have that reflects your personality. The vehicle can just sort of help enhance that for you. It's definitely got lots of personality. Uh, In our last few seconds, Chad, uh, price and availability? So this vehicle starts under $20,000, and then you can load it up to just about thirty. So there's a lot of customization features. They are available now in Chevy showrooms, and i got to tell you, they're, we're selling them as fast as we can build them. I bet you are, and as you are probably the entire SUV lineup, I will tell you it's going to be a hard vehicle to return out of the press fleet at the <laughs> end of the week. Uh, Shad Balch, it's always great to have you on the show. He's a good guy, and he knows all about his own brand, Chevrolet, who are, by the way, killing it right now with sales. Uh, if you want one of these vehicles, you might have to go order it because they are flying 
out of dealer lots as fast as Chevrolet can make all of their vehicle lineup. Still more to come on our show. Don't forget, you can listen to this interview and previous interviews at our website, which is OurAutoExpert.com. The podcast is there. Our TV reviews for all our TV stations around the country are there, as well as read the latest insider stories about cars. It's all at the website. You'll find it right there. Uh, lots of the shows still coming up today. We are going to talk to Anton Warman. He's going to share his views on what's happening with the electronic car world. And also, we're going to talk to mothers because Jen's having a hard time getting those hard white spots out of her car. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. This is our Auto Expert Radio Show. Our Auto Expert is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us, ask a question, just direct messages at our Auto Expert. Uh, the good thing about it is, two million Americans get their automotive news daily from our Auto Expert. He joins us every week on the show to give us an around-the-world look at what's going on with autonomy, with electric cars, and the latest in financing of automakers. Anton Woolman, he's an independent analyst and investor. You can read the majority of his stuff at Seeking Alpha or the street. Anton, uh, this quarter is drawing to a close and as of today, 100,000 ID3 cars have been registered by VW in Norway versus 628 Tesla Model 3s in September. Uh, does Tesla continue their decline of sales in Europe? So what's going on right now, Nick, is that Volkswagen, which is of course the largest overall automaker in all of Europe, has come out with its first truly dedicated mass market 30 some odd thousand dollar vehicle which sort of looks like a golf but is a little taller it looks a little bit more futuristic and has a range in some versions over 250 miles and those mass de uh, deployments started just less than two full weeks ago in any meaningful volume and we are now seeing thanks to the daily reporting of the European equivalents of the Department of Motor Vehicles in some countries, the registration data roll in. And uh, just so far, anyway, uh, the numbers are pretty big in that uh, in some countries, they're now the number one selling automobile so far this month here in September, which uh, obviously surpasses all of the other competitors in the electric car field, including Tesla. One of the reasons that we like to reference some of these European countries is twofold. Firstly, because that shows how things are rolling out and it also shows how the competition is working. But also, they're a preface to what tends to come here to the United States. Now, one of the other countries we like to talk about is the Netherlands. The uh, ID3 raising up sales charts in, uh, in the Netherlands. The official sales date is little, little over a week. Uh, uh, started a week ago as already in the 12th uh, best-selling car in the Netherlands for the month. Is, is the Netherlands uh, still doing well with electric cars? Because didn't they get rid of most of their incentives at the beginning of this year? Yeah, so in the Netherlands, the, the incentives have gone up and down, up and down like a big yo-yo. They had a major one that lasted through the end of last year. And, of course, electric car sales uh, declined a lot during the first half of this year. Uh, so uh, Netherlands is not as important anymore as it was, certainly in 2019, for overall European car sales. Uh, the U.K., Germany, uh, Sweden, and a few other countries are, are really uh, racing ahead here. 
But uh, really the big picture here is that in Europe, as you alluded to, Nick, uh, they have these enormous requirements now that took into effect at the beginning of this year on a European-wide perspective in terms of how many electric cars they need to sell. So all the automakers really have a gun uh, behind them in terms of how many they need to sell. So whether they lose money on these cars or not, uh, I'm looking, for example, in France, you can lease a new um, electric car in France for as little as 10 euros per month. I mean, this is nothing. This is so far below cost. It's absolutely laughable. You can rent a Renault Zoe for essentially nothing and, of course, the wait list to get one is now over two years long. So, you know, basically, if you can get a car for free, well, then you're going to have to wait for a while. Uh, I'm Listen, I'm signed up for that every day of the week. Let's talk about uh, stateside right now. Ford adds some color. Uh, so the production plant of the all-electric F-150 uh, is, is going to come. Uh, finally, we had initially had a video of it towing that train, but they released some more data about the all-electric F-150 coming to America. What do we know as of today? Today. Yeah, so they uh, just showed a little bit more about the factory in which they will conduct the final assembly of the all-electric F-150, and it's basically next door to where they make the regular F-150 in one of their two locations up in Michigan. Uh, they will share the same plant for uh, the body, and they will share the same paint shop, but when it comes to the final assembly, they will take the all-electric F-150 aside and therefore skip many of these steps and just put a big battery in from down under and then also leave an opening up front. We call that a front, uh, a trunk where the engine used to sit. And uh, they also showed a variety of other testing scenarios in which you can drive uh, the F-150 all-electric up at 60% grade, which is so scary. I mean, you, you look up the thing, it practically looks like a wall in front of you, but it will have this amazing amount of torque and ability to tow that uh, they claim is going to be very different than all of these other leisure-oriented all-electric pickup trucks from Tesla and Rivian and a few other brands that have been talked about and that, and that will also be coming out over the next couple of years. Now, the core of the pickup truck market is, of course, capability. Uh, towing uh, and, and what it can have in the, in the bed is a massive thing for truck buyers, at least the core of truck buyers. But what about range? Because the more you tow, we've seen this in some tests done by the fast lane car with uh, Tesla. As soon as they've hooked up a vehicle, the range goes down to about a third of what it was originally. Uh, if you start to tow and if you start to haul, and what was the sort of expectation? range of this vehicle period exactly and Nick even if you don't tow anything or haul anything the range will simply not be remotely comparable to a regular f-150 or other large pickup truck and of course if you start towing it you can see a decline of up to 80 percent in terms of range so clearly these will not be focused on that but there are other types of jobs Nick that uh, take place more locally so you have a lot of people uh, that drive around in these large pickup trucks that don't don't take them on uh, large road trips or tow long distances they may be uh, workmen carpenters whatever else that Uh, do a job 5, 10, 15, 20 miles around town, and they go and pick up some supplies, you know, at the lumber yard. And at the end of the day, it turns out that they they drive fewer than 100 miles per day, in some cases less than 50 miles per day. So if you have a pickup truck that has maybe 200 miles of range, and then you uh, uh, discount for some cold air and whatever else outside, uh, you can still be fine. So they argue that the cost of ownership, when you consider the reduced maintenance of these vehicles, um, 
will actually mean meaningful cost savings for at least a certain segment of these large pickup truck buyers. We know the oil and gas industry and many other industries depend on the F-150 and maybe for those guys who aren't uh, making long trips but are just tooling around a rail yard all day uh, moving heavy loads, perhaps this is the vehicle for them. News from Volvo regarding their electric XC40. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the Polestar 2, they, they will come essentially in a different body called the XC40, which has been around in the U.S. now for about two years. Uh, the, the Volvo version will be made in Belgium, and they start making it right about now, and we'll start delivering the vehicle in Europe at the end of this year. We will be hearing next month as to when the U.S. consumer can expect to uh, see the all-electric XC40 being delivered in the U.S. They've been taking uh, orders or deposits or however you, you want to call them for a couple of months now from U.S. consumers, and uh, but they never told people when they made that announcement saying, hey, you can put up a little deposit here and be first in line. They never actually told people when people can expect delivery. I expect it to be at some, uh, happening at some point in 2021, hopefully before the midpoint of the year, but we will be hearing those details here coming up in the next uh, month or so. Now, electric vehicles in the United States, uh, you famously uh, had a list uh, two years ago of uh, 200 or so electric vehicles, BEVs, that were going to be available around the world in the next uh, several years. Are we getting, when the pandemic has jumped right in the middle of some people's time schedule to produce their electric vehicles, are we getting closer to seeing a plethora of electric vehicles available in the U.S. market? We hear about individual vehicles, but we, uh, we're not seeing huge amounts of vehicles uh, flooding into dealerships, are they still on their way? So on a global basis, the number that we outlined back three or so year, four years ago uh, is actually holding up rather well, but that is mostly because of availability in Europe and in China. In the U.S., because the regulatory environment has not been uh, focused on forcing the automakers quite as much as we have seen in those other global geographies, the automakers have chosen to hold back the timelines. For example, the Mercedes EQC, which has been a huge seller this year in Europe, they simply postpone it for a full year. They won't be coming to the U.S. until early 2021, if even that. And that is because, guess what? They don't have to sell it here in order to meet their quotas. So that is what's happening, not just with Mercedes, but with essentially all automakers, is that, look, they lose money on all of these all-electric cars. So why should they start selling them in the U.S. any earlier than they are forced to from a regulatory perspective. All right. In the last few minutes that we have left, Tesla making progress on building new factories, Germany and Austin, Texas. Yeah, you, you, you cannot deny the fact that Tesla is good at one thing, if only that, that one thing, and that is that they do build a factory at record speed when everybody else takes a minimum of two and a half to three years, if not three and a half to four years in some cases, to build a factory. Tesla somehow is able to build a factory in barely about a year, so a year, maybe a year and a quarter. And we saw that in China last year, and we're seeing it now simultaneously almost in both a place that is located a bit outside of Berlin, Germany, as well as in a place located not too far from the Austin, Texas airport. And you can just see from uh, overfly uh, drone footage and everything else that the construction in these places is moving forward at a breakneck pace that we just don't see automakers capable of doing normally.
All right. It's uh, it's good to see. I'll be in Austin tomorrow, by the way, but not for any Tesla event. Just going to drive a little bit of the new Rolls-Royce Ghost. Anton Wallman, independent analyst and investor, uh, and I'm glad to say I look forward to talking to him every week on the show. He has great information. You can re- read the majority of his stuff at Seeking Alpha or The Street, and he has a great insight into what's going on in electric, autonomous, and the business perspective of the automotive industry. Coming up on the show, we're going to problem solve for Jen. She's been having some horrible water spots on her vehicle. She's been complaining about it for weeks. I think she complains about it because she does. When she shows up to uh, to come with me to the studio every week, she uh, doesn't want uh, me to comment on how dirty her truck looks. Uh, we're going to talk to mothers. They're going to problem solve on how to gender keep her life clean. I mean, her truck clean. That's all coming up on the show. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey, Google, or hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri. Our auto expert radio show. Play it all. And all previous episodes of the show, the podcast, are available. Hours of endless fun for you and the entire family. I'm Nick Miles. Our auto expert is where 2 million Americans get your autom- get their automotive news daily. Uh, Jen has been moaning at me for a long time that uh, her truck looks terrible and she can't get the hard water spots out. And so uh, she managed to seek out an expert in the field of getting Jen's life together. It's uh, Jim Dvorak. He is from Mother's Car Care. Uh, and of course, Mother's are the, one of the leaders in uh, polishes, waxes, and cleaners. So Jim, you have a host of uh, really cool products, one of which might get Jen sorted out to get those hard water spots out off of her truck's paint. Thank you, Jim, for well, we sending could. me the package too. I'm super excited to try them. <laughs> You're most welcome, Jen and Nick. Thank you for the great welcome. You know, mineral deposits and water spots can range in severity from, you know, something that can come off fairly easy to something that's very stubborn. So we generally recommend using our least aggressive methods first in trying to attack these problems. Uh, yeah, so, so tell us about some of the products that can help. Simply an instant detailer and a little saturation and a soft microfiber towel might dissolve the deposit. Uh, waterless wash and wax is a great product to also try. Something from the kitchen, distilled white vinegar, little oh. saturation, you know, it dissolves mineral deposits. And if that's all you need, um, just stop there and coat it with uh, some protection, either like a ceramic or a traditional cleaner wax. If it's really stubborn, if it has some etching, like a uh, bird dropping can etch your paint, it may require a polish or a compound followed by a polish, something like our California Gold Scratch Remover. Any, anything that is a traditional polish that will remove that surface damage and pop it back to clarity. And unfortunately, some extreme cases may be something that you just have to live with. You can hopefully minimize the defect, but it may not be safe to fully remove it because sometimes these things can etch deep into the clear coat. And that would mean damaging your clear coat, presumably, if you do, uh, if you spend too much time trying to get rid of it. Uh, maybe you'll agree with me, Jim, and I'm not sure whether you will or not, but if Jen had taken good care and polished the truck in the first place, this never would have happened, would it? Well, I don't want to disrespect Jen because I know she loves her truck, but, you know, sometimes we get busy and and things happen. And sometimes, you know, especially with the kind of ash you guys have had up there, uh, that can land on the surface and mixed with a little morning dew or a little rain. Right. 
you know, before you realize it, you've got etching something that resembles a water spot. Okay, and so, um, so here's my you, problem. I actually had I parked downtown in the city, and there's certain designated areas. Well, the sprinkler systems have come on, and I didn't realize it because it's on the passenger side. And one day I walked around the truck, and I had all these white spots. So that's how it started. And trust me, I yeah. used both clay bars. <laughs> and they didn't work. So, nope. <laughs> so we don't normally recommend using clay for water spots because it's just not the type of contaminant that removes with a clay bar, unfortunately. See? Yeah. See, Jen? You should, you should have listened to Jim before. I am now. He sent me everything to try out, so I'm going to try to video list and see how it all turns out. So, yeah, an instant detailer or waterless washing laps and a couple towels or something that you should always carry in your vehicle. You know, obviously you didn't see these, and unfortunately, with uh, public sprinklers, they often use reclaimed water, and they can be especially high in minerals and uh, various chemicals that just do the wrong thing to your paint. Right. Uh, which is sad, uh, but, you know, Jen, you have to fix it as well. Uh, l let's talk about, you know, putting something on your car to prevent it. Uh, should you be perhaps uh, pre-protecting your car from this uh, rather than trying to fix the problem? What can we do to protect our cars from uh, things like ash and like uh, hard water spots and those sort of things? How can we prep our car to stop this settling into the, to the paintwork? Well, really, a traditional wax is a great start. Anything that comes between the environment, and your paint. A new line of products that we've come out with last year is our CMX ceramic line. So when you're basically putting a glass-like protective coating on the finish, you may not prevent water spots altogether, but ideally then the water spot is in that sacrificial ceramic coating and not in your clear coat. So when you do have to polish it out, you're not damaging or degrading your clear coat. Do you uh, do you have a, any recommendations for uh, removing ash or, or grime, you know thick grime that's on your vehicle? I mean, a lot of people who've been suffering forest fires uh, have got some sort of ash, and, and the last thing you should be doing is you know I guess rubbing it into the paintwork. Is it just hose the car off before you start cleaning it, or what's the best recommendation? Well, you know, a traditional car wash process is great. You know, get get a great bucket of suds, add a little extra car wash soap, use a nice soft wash mitt like a microfiber chenille, rinse the car off as well as you can, let it dwell and rinse it some more, and then just take it a little bit at a time, change the wash water as you go along because it's going to contaminate your bucket. Use two buckets if you wish. Some people like to do that. But if you have ash all over your large vehicle, it's just going to take some care to dissolve it and whisk it away from the surface. Yeah, because you, you don't want to. I would You don't want to rub oh, it in. Ahead. You don't want to rub it in. So as much as you can get off before you start washing is the best, right? Correct. You want to use a nice car wash soap to dissolve it and carry it away, and then you might need to follow with a clay bar. So right. Jen had some of those tools with her already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she. Uh, I think it's your truck's birthday is coming up, so it should get a wash, shouldn't it, Jen? Oh my gosh, <laughs> I wash it. Okay, first I wash it all the time, 
I do. Apparently not well enough, though. But so does the city sprinkler system. It's washing it too. <laughs> I, I'm yeah, an don't old blame school. Jan for the city. <laughs> <laughs> I like to give her a hard time, uh, Jim, uh, because because she's always making excuses. Before I even saw her truck, she was saying, "I got these water spots all over it. I don't know how to get rid of them." Uh, where can we get some of your latest products, including the CMX products, Jim? Well, you can get them at your local auto parts store or online. They're available everywhere. Excellent. Well, if you have some uh, hard water spots or you have some ash on your vehicle, uh, take some of that advice to heart. And uh, we're going to go try out some of these products and see if we can clean the cars. Jen's going to, in fact, clean the entire fleet outside my house and make sure they're all like, <laughs> sorry, Jen. That sounds just... <laughs> great. I'm so excited. Yeah. I tell you, Nick, if any of your listeners need any assistance at mothers.com, we have some great resources. My phone number is there. And they're welcome to call me anytime. I often answer calls in evenings and weekends because we are working from home still. But I'm glad to help out any car care enthusiasts. Jim Dvorak is from Mother's Car Care. They are specialists in polishers, waxers, and cleaners. This is our Auto Expert radio show. You can listen to this show and all of the previous episodes of Our Auto Expert on our website, ourautoexpert.com, plus see all our TV and read all of our car reviews. Until next time. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Mile. Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response. 